Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I'm the creator of the show Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake because none of us have time to exercise and work out. And me, I'm probably shaking a little bit more than I wish I were. This is going to be a community-hosted podcast, not by me, but by a collection of women all over the country who are going to share their stories, struggles, and solutions, some with their own guests on their episodes, some without. Each one will be a wonderful sampler of a story that you can relate to or that might help you. And I hope that you all enjoy it. Moms don't have time to move and shake. Get moving. Hello, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. My name is Aranza Savas, and I'm your guest host today. At work, I am a transformation coach who guides individuals and companies on transformative journeys. My practice is really focused on helping people design their days so that they can create the lives they really want. In life, I'm a person who has experienced lots and lots of big changes, And so I spend most of my days thinking, writing, and talking about what helps people successfully create change in their lives and what makes it harder. I'm joined today by my friend and client, New York City educator and NYU professor of education, Leslie Jirsa. Today, Leslie and I are going to talk about our experiences and routines, but Check with your doctor before starting any new diet or exercise. Leslie and I both grew up surrounded by messages that skinny trumped strong and that small trumped powerful. We grew up feeling like our bodies were problems that needed to be solved. But now we're grown women and we're raising little girls of our own And so today we want to talk about how our perspectives and expectations of our bodies have changed and frankly how they're continuing to change as we grow as both women and mothers. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. Thanks for having me. What was your mindset around your body when you were growing up? I think you said it very well in your introduction. Definitely a problem to be solved. Yeah. I feel like there were a lot of adults in my life, coaches, parents of my friends, my parents also, who had just a really interesting and alarming amount of things to say about my body, which I now in adulthood find, especially as a parent and a parent with a kid and lots of other people's kids in my house, like how amazing it would be for me to have something to say about their bodies, but just so many comments and so many things to say about what I'm eating, how much I'm eating, like what I should be eating. Have you ever had a vegetable? It was really shocking and amazing to me how how much permission people gave themselves to say things to a kid. I'm like, I'm all pumped because I learned how to say like pencil in Spanish and thinking about like, maybe I want to be a gymnast. And people were not thinking about that. I was a definitely some kind of a crisis to be solved. And they were definitely the person to solve it. (laughs) It's so interesting too, because I think what you're pointing out is that it comes from a really good place. People feel Mm. like, oh, I'm going to help this pretty girl. (laughs) 
live into her prettiness. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, meanwhile, sure. you're sitting there and you're like, y'all, I'm a really accomplished athlete yeah. and I'm really smart. And also, yes, <laughs> I don't care as much as you do. Clearly, you have not seen this astounding picture of this cat that I have just drawn. So let me redirect your attention real quick and you will forget about the fact that I just ate that cookie. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a bit of a demonizing of treats and good food. And I do think that leads to a bit of a punishment mindset. Yeah. Because there's there's this powerful cycle that happens to humans where if we feel shame and guilt, we respond to them with punishment. So Mm -hmm. if everything you do to bring yourself pleasure is then Mm -hmm. entrained to be something that should be followed by punishment, that has lifelong consequences. But I also think a belief early on in our lives that pretty or skinny or small or frankly weakness is more powerful for women than strength or power mm-hmm. or <laughs> taking up confidence space. or taking mm-hmm. up space has massive lifelong consequences. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's and weird that people were talking to you. Can we just pause on that for a second? It's yeah, weird that people weird. felt like it was okay to talk about our bodies or anybody's bodies. I remember people when I was 13 being like, Oh, look at this girl. She's got good birth and hips. Are you kidding me? What? (laughs) I was 13. Like like anybody should be discussing your birthing hips. Correct. Reproduction was not on the agenda at 13, thanks. No. Uh, What are even birthing hips when you're 13? That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And when my soccer coach was like, I think I was 12, I was like, you'd be so pretty if you just lost 10 pounds. And I'm like, excuse me, but I just scored a goal and won the game for your team. Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah you're completely missing the point. And I'm sorry, but you finding me attractive is extremely creepy. So no thanks. Yeah, yeah. It is a little creepy, isn't it? And it's just another reason why it's, let's put bodies off limits when we're talking yeah. to little girls. And I did that with my kids, I think, pretty successfully so far. They're two girls, 11 and 13. And I think we've been pretty consistent about that. Mm-hmm. And there were definitely the moments where a well-meaning elder would reach over and had a belly. And... I was just so hypersensitized to how terrible that felt as a child. And I think we managed to successfully fend that off for the most part. And I think our girls are growing up in a world that is more aware of the importance of body diversity and the embrace of different body types. Because I do think that part of the problem was that there was just this single physical ideal And we were so concerned with it that for many of us, our bodies were like just never going to look like that. I was never going to be a narrow-hipped person. I agree, although I have a 13-year-old daughter who said to me as she quietly and without initial announcements just started restricting food a little, I started to notice it a little bit and I asked her about it. And out came this like flood of what she 
wanted from her body and what she wanted to look like. And my extremely activist-minded, out gay, proud kid came, mom, I'm all about body diversity, except in myself. Mm -hmm. And I was... It was like every possible bone in my body just crumbled. And I thought, how on earth have we done all this incredible work and progress? And how is my kid feeling so confident changing pronouns at whim and looking at all kinds of different people and has friends who look in every different possible way and still feeling every half pound as though she was back in the 1970s with me. And I'm like, oh my God, because whatever exists around women is never going to stop. And that just broke my heart. I just thought, here we are. It's not it's not gonna, it's not over. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. And in the same way that we are never going to <laughs> No one is ever going to be able to control our thoughts, feelings, or actions. We aren't going to be able to control those for our daughters. And yeah. I do think, though, that we are in a unique position to both be able to understand the effect of some of this stuff, but also to really focus on ourselves and our own well-being Yeah, in such a way that we can change our thoughts, feelings, and actions. And I use those three words very intentionally because I think it's important to understand that our actions are coming out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Restriction isn't coming from nowhere. It is coming right. from our thoughts. Our thoughts lead to feelings, which lead to actions, which lead to thoughts, which lead to feelings. And those cycles mm -hmm. continue on and on. And so I often with clients, I just start with the thoughts so that we can put ourselves in a position to have thoughts that empower us, that inspire us and allow us to honestly explore our feelings in helpful, productive ways so that our actions are helpful Yeah, and instead think, of counterproductive, right? So if I'm thinking right. skinny is good, full stop, I feel a sense of shame for eating the cookie that interferes with my skinny. And so I punish by restricting. I feel yeah. guilty for restricting. <laughs> And then These vicious cycles continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I think my work lately, like working with you, working with my students, and just doing a lot of thinking lately in new ways, as I think back and watching my kid grow up and considering my own body, which was once such a giant source of shame. But I think beginning with pregnancy became so much more than that. Like I became in awe of my body, actually. Like I built somebody. And I think once that happened, I'm like, women are amazing. This is amazing. And I think I always imagined that when my daughter hit these years, like I would just tap out and hand this, these years to her dad. Cause it would just be too overwhelming. Like I had the little kid stuff down. Like I, that was an Olympics I'd been training for my whole life. But that when these years came, I'd be like, man, I don't know. Like I barely made it out of there alive and I'm going to let him take that over. But I really learned that my training and all that stuff serves me well, but also I got this I, I am ready for this. It's mm -hmm. been a lot of listening. I'm not good at it. It doesn't mean that I'm, oh yeah, no problem. But it just means I, I hear her and I'm learning 
definitely how to separate her experience from mine because they are not the same. As as much as I conflate the two, it's certainly not the same because her perspective on her body, herself, her thoughts are all very unique, but it's a lot of listening. And it's the kind of listening that I wish somebody had done for me. I think that's the whole point of what you're saying here is that as little girls, we didn't feel listened to necessarily. We didn't feel heard. And I think the secret, if there is one to changing this cycle, is to invite our daughters to honestly and openly speak about how they feel about the world in general, about their body. Mm. They, and we expect or want acceptance. And so I think what you're doing is you're saying, hey, let me open this dialogue to have this conversation in a way that will help me not be reactive, but accepting and just listening. And I do think the questions that we ask can set us up for success or failure with that. So by Mm. asking really open-ended questions, how are you feeling? But when we hear these little flags from our daughters, right? These things Mm. where you're like, oh, I don't want to eat this. Oh, that's interesting. It's so tempting to go into our own panic and be like, (gasps) don't restrict. It will cause you a lifelong problem. Right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't eat those things because they make you fat. What are you talking about? And that, of course, I didn't mean that. Yep, exactly. That Mm -hmm. implies an interpretation or feeling around it, and I think we're thinking for them. But what we want to do is teach them to think for themselves. And so we do find it really powerful when I can stay in my own lane while creating space for them to open their lane and just say, "Oh, that's interesting." It makes I can, sense that I can you would under, feel I mean, that. Yeah, yeah, I can understand why that makes sense. I've like given, what you taught me too is, wow, that makes sense. I can actually understand where that would come from. Even if I'm like, what are you talking about? In like your head. inside. <laughs> like what? That is the most ridiculous. Okay, yep, I get it. And the other thing that I've become very conscious of in the last year is like how much more room and grace... <laughs> I give my students who are just a few years older because of the professional training that I have around there. Whereas when it's your kids, the stakes feel so high and you add in ego and you add in all those things and how just powerful that can be and how how scary it is. I think as mothers, it's our job to look at how we think about our bodies because even if, like I... I worked in the diet industry for almost 20 years, and my work (laughs) focused on helping people find empowerment and a sense of joy and fuller lives through losing weight. That was the point. that, That Because that's what people wanted, right? We, many of us, associate weight loss and happiness really deeply. And so there was a part of me that felt like I was hiding a little bit because I have been so actively not talking to my daughters about weight, despite mm-hmm. the fact that eight to 12 hours every day I was talking about weight. So that that was that felt a little bit inauthentic. I and mean, in the story I told them and that I genuinely believe is that Weight can be a part of wellness and that it's not about the size of our bodies, but it's about what our bodies can do. Mm -hmm. 
And so mm-hmm. for me, I my my authentic feelings and beliefs about my body now are that I want to be bulletproof. I don't want to be fragile. That's so awesome. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be fragile anymore. And I actually have started in my own mind to associate skinniness with fragility because I really realized, and this is, this was, I'm 47. This is a very recent realization that actually the unhealthiest, the sickest, the fragilest I ever was in the very messy first five years of my life when I was skinny. <laughs> and it was when I got to be healthy and happy and surrounded by love and psychological safety that mm-hmm. I started to gain weight. Where those got messed up and the, those thoughts got rewired, I can't say exactly, but I did spend a lot of my life understanding the root mm-hmm. of that story. And so now what I try to, I would, I've, I talk to myself about, but what I also try to talk to my daughter about is strength and and endurance and resilience. And it's like when my body is getting to a place where it's getting hurt regularly, I and I didn't, this isn't a recent realization too, because I ran for so many years, but we can overdo anything. Yeah. And there was a point where my body was getting repeated injuries from marathoning. And I finally had to look at myself and say, oh, there can be too much of a good thing. And my signals for when things are going well now are I'm healthy. I'm not getting injured often. I'm feeling strong and fit and playful. Because for so long, I was competing as a marathoner and feeling like, I can't do anything because I don't want to injure myself. It could compromise my race. What a limiting way to live. It was fun to challenge my body in that way, but it was ultimately limiting. My metrics of success have changed, right? They used to be skinnier or smaller or sizes. Now they are, I'm not getting hurt. (laughs) I can be playful. I can try new things. I can pick up new hobbies. I can find new muscles. And they're just totally different measures of success. And so I'm curious for you how those measures of success have evolved. I Like I'm right there with you. I have played sports literally my entire life. And there were like all amounts of boys that would show up to those things. And they would say horrible things from the sidelines or like yell my number out and stuff like that. And like, now I look back and it wasn't like I was that fat. I just didn't look like everybody else. And then I would score three goals and I would just be like, really? Like, whatever. You can say whatever you want but I just scored three goals. And I think I, I was very <laughs> pleased with myself. Mm. I was humiliated and ashamed and I would go mm-hmm. home and cry after every game. But I think the end result in a very long answer to your question is that I beat my body up and I mm-hmm. did not listen to my body mm-hmm. at all because mm. I was not going to let anybody mm-hmm put me down. Both my knees are messed up. My back is messed up. I was on the crew team in college and I was going to be on the national team. That was my total goal. And I really, I messed, I was on four different boats my freshman year, started off my sophomore year. And I ended up with a really bad injury to my back and I can't row ever again. And that was devastating. Yeah. I think you just nailed it, right? Yeah. 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 And the message is, 
we received and that our take on our bodies was punishment. Yeah. Even when we were doing the quote unquote good things, we did them to a punishing effect. And so now here we sit as grown women, as mothers, as people in a position to stop this freaking cycle of shame and guilt and punishment and to take a different mind. One thing I'll add, though, is that in all those years of training, there would have been one really simple thing that I could have done that would have saved me from a lot of the injuries, and that would have been to lose 20 pounds. And that was the one thing I absolutely consciously refused to do. Because I'm like, I'm not losing weight. I'm going to do this at you like I am. That Mm -hmm. was conscious the time I was 10 until now at 50 Mm -hmm. years old. Absolutely. And that is now what I'm working on. And because of all those injuries, and now I need the weight off. Like now I need to do that like for me. And I really have to learn how to do that for me and not at other people because now it's okay. Like it's, I'm not doing this at anybody else anymore. But that was such I, that was such an act of defiance, and I really have to. I really have now to untrain myself to thank myself for that yes. behavior because I refuse to let other people tell me how to be. And yeah. instead of being mad at myself and being being mad that I refuse to do that, I am incredibly grateful for that fire and that refusal and that giant middle finger at all those people who felt perfectly fine telling a 10-year-old kid how to be pretty. And I'm just like, I'm going to go score three goals. Yeah, You can tell whoever you want to be pretty, but I'm not listening to you. And I'm doing this at you. And you're going to go home and feel dumb. <laughs> the difference now, though, I think you're saying is that it's no longer about them. You're done right. with it being and about them and their impressions. And it's about you and what feels good to me, to you. And they're all 90 years old. They don't care anymore. Don't and care. I have bad news. And they've forgotten. And now it is time yeah. for me to get it together. But it's a really hard untraining, you know, of mm-hmm. myself. And I'm grateful for that. But it's What important. is helping you retrain? A lot of, a lot of balance. I think a lot of remembering things differently. I think that I have told that I've told my friends, my family, and like people about my life. And as we like at parties and stuff, or like, oh my God, yeah. So like when I was whatever old, this is what I did. And this is the story that I tell about my childhood. And my sister was skinny and she had this food that she could eat. And I had this other. I remember things and I tell things in a way so as to explain my narrative and my way of being in the world. And really reimagining things as what actually happened and why I did what I did. And when I reimagine that, it reminds me of my own agency and of my deliberate way of being in the world. And it reminds me that I really did things on purpose. That reminds me that I was a rad little kid. And that means that little kids are rad. Like my little kid is rad and that we have agency even when we might not be aware of it. So reimagining, re-understanding 
myself yeah. at that time. And, your story. and so that's, yep. that's yep. the past part, but then going forward of just understanding what that means for me now and, and figuring out, okay, like if that's what I was doing, then what do I need now? What does that mean for my kid? What does that mean as a mom? And what does that mean? I think I'm really struggling with, okay, as a 13 year old, when my kid is coming home from school or coming home, like that means that used to mean, okay, let's get some activities ready. Let's get some dinner ready. Like that means very little now. She's yeah. Nice to see it. Like goes around. It's like, okay. So since that means very little to me now, that means now it's time for me to figure out how to take care of me. Like, what do I need to do for myself? And And I think it all, it always will. Yeah. We are never going to fix or change anyone. Our job is to take care of ourselves. And I think the word you used, balance, is so instructive. For me, it's come down to one very simple question. Is this kind? And I try to anchor my routines, my habits, my choices in that question. Is it kind? And then I ask myself, do I feel better when I do more or less of this? And if the answer is that I feel better when I do less of something, which is true for lots of running right now, then my job is to do less of it because I want to feel good. Like the point of all of this is to to feel feel good. good. (laughs) And so if the things I'm doing feel bad and I'm cranky with my children all the time (laughs) because I'm doing too much, it's time to do less. It's super simple. Yeah. And yet it's all this other old training and these old thoughts that make it complicated. So if you had to leave us with one closing thought and what you wish for your own mindset in order to be an example or a role model for your daughter, what would it be? I think that what I wish for my kid and what I wish for me and what I wish for all women is that our bodies are a sense of, our our bodies are a place of power for us. It is a resource and a place that we go to for power. Yeah. I think for me, it is to remind my children, my clients, myself, that our biggest job really in this life in many ways is to take care of our bodies, to just be really nourishing and loving toward them. My 93-year-old grandma is still out there running and doing amazing things because she took care of her body. And I really believe that's my job now is to take care of my body and to help teach my daughters and other people I love to take care of theirs. I love your grandma. I think about her all the time. And I think she is somebody for us all to, it, how, she's like such a great reminder of that exact thing. It's so beautiful. <sighs> May we all be moving and shaking well into it. May our daughters keep teaching us. Leslie, thank you so much for being my friend and for being here and having this wonderful conversation with me. To all of you listening, Every episode of the series has a different guest host, so check them all out. You will learn and discover so many exciting perspectives. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Get moving. 